So welcome to Rob's Observations, everybody. How you doing? This is Rob Liefeld. We are uh, continuing to talk comics and pop culture and movies, a, a lot of movies today. We are going to dive straight into, as we walk down the making of Deadpool, we have come to the big time movies, the big enchilada, the journey to get Deadpool on screen as you wanted him to be, as we intended him. And uh, wow, that was a crazy path. That was not an easy journey. It uh, as, as the years roll by, it's, it's easy to dismiss the the incredible effort that it took to get Deadpool from the page, from the toy shelf, from the video game representation, all the way into a feature film, albeit a much uh, heavily uh, scrutinized, uh, budget, very budgetary conscious version of 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 the Deadpool that we know and love. Um, but but finally getting that green light that brought him to us almost. Uh, Five years ago today, uh, five years ago this this year, um, in, in about four months, it'll be the five-year mark for the debut, which came out early February of uh, 2016, and and just shocked the world. But I think those of us who were, who always believed, uh, you know, were, were, were knew that there was something special there. And again, Deadpool continued along the trek that he had had from the comic book page where he just instantly made a connection, instantly found a, a, a nook right there alongside you and and and, uh, and, and snuggled up to you uh, and, and, and made you warm and cuddly. And, and, and once you embraced Deadpool, you didn't want to go back because you, you thought he was funny or he was violent or he was crass or he was just cool, okay? But yeah, today we are going to deep dive and go back from the beginning. Um, it's just, it is funny to me to see how big of a deal Deadpool has become. I mean, this this uh, week uh, in the news, it broke in all of the promotions that Kevin Feige and one, one of the one of the magazines, one of the one of the online sources called Kevin Feige the God King of Marvel. And really, I mean, that's how the press treats him. He is the God King. Having never written or drawn, uh, illustrated a comic book, Kevin Feige as a, who came up as uh, an assistant uh, to, to Richard Donner, working for Lauren Schuler Donner, uh, came up working alongside them, came up alongside, uh, you know, being an assistant producer alongside Avi Arad on the earliest of the Marvel stuff has obviously uh, seized the day, seized the kingdom, uh, become uh, the most influential guy in the Marvel pantheon of entertainment, uh, comics, toys, or anything. Kevin, it's, 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 um, I think it's indisputable. He is the, the king of all things at Marvel, and the fans and the press have, have steered it that way. And it's, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure there's much to debate about it. I, I think if, you know, if this was a sports talk show and we had a bunch of guys around a table, we could we could toss different topics in there as to who really is responsible for this incredible wave that Marvel has experienced since really the launch of the Iron Man movie, which was so uh, uh, it, it was a big gamble. It was a big gamble. People forget again that Downey Jr. was not a bankable name any longer. He had long been past his prime. He had done TV. He had done a season of Ally McBeal um, in the early 2000s because his career was in rehab. He had had a lot of troubles, personal issues. I mean, the guy, sweet guy, right? But um, 
you know, always entertaining, always caught my attention, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the different teen films that he did, the John Hughes stuff, um, and, and just, just every, every, everything that he ever appeared in, he was, he immediately caught your attention, but Iron Man put him over the top and put him into that giant movie star bracket. And trust me, the movie star bracket is something that's going to get discussed today because it is, it's, 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 um, it's applicable into everything that was going on with Deadpool as the movie was coming to being. I, I just can't help but I just get a kick out of all this, right? Because if, if you've listened to this show, and thank you to all you um, who've, who've listened to the show from the beginning, you know that I was pulling comic books off the rack in 1974-1975. I've been on this journey a very, very long time. I'm in 34 years of making comics now. 34 years I have professionally done this. I've paid the rent. I've put money on the table. Uh, but you know, groceries on the table. I've, I'm sending kids to private schools. Comic books has been very good to me. I love them. They have shown me love back. Uh, I take them and 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 I take the art form. I take them. I take it all very very seriously because uh, why wouldn't you, right? I mean, the, these are um, this is this is my passion. This is my love. And to, and to watch these. Uh, transform into these giant, uh, you know, movie uh, franchises that kind of uh, dominate over all else is has been uh, something to to behold. Truthfully, truthfully, something to behold. It's 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 uh, it it really is just uh, amazing. All that has come from the page to the screen, but movie stars, um, will will we'll, we'll factor in later on. But Downey Jr from 2008 and that that movie's incredible performance uh 300 million dollars again iron man's never been the number one comic on the sales charts never been the number one comic in his own medium but as a film number one three times out billion dollar franchise changed the face of marvel so whoever cast him you know i guess gets gets uh gets a huge piece of that acclaim and and part of that uh you know acknowledgement of, of, of guiding Marvel in the way that they should go. And, and really the Marvel method of how they cast their different, you know, variety of stars, whether it was Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans, uh, later on down the line, Marvel really took risk after risk after risk and it paid off for them big time, big time. But with Fox and the development of, of Deadpool, it was a completely different road. Let's go back to, uh, the X-Men movies, which they had had two really strong outings uh, in the early 2000s. Fox had finally uh, rolled the dice, put those X-Men movies out there. Uh, X2 obviously has a much bigger vision because the budget got biz- bigger because, you know, X-Men 1 did very, very well. I mean, the return on that investment was huge. Now, given, ironically, that 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 I, Fox has never, and this is something we're going to come back to a couple times during this, Fox has never had the ability to merchandise the Marvel films in the way that, let's say, Disney does. They never were able to green light it and at the same time ensure that you were going to get a video game, a cartoon, uh, of shelves and shelves worth of action figures, Legos. They just couldn't. Their Marvel always held those rights in the deal that they did with Fox so that Fox needed to do as best as they possibly could on the film, the theatrical release, the DVD release, uh, however they licensed it out on cable. That is where Fox stood to make their only money because they did not have a uh, a share of the action figures, any of the just, just broad swath of merchandising. They didn't have merchandising. 
So, but the films had done very well for them. Marvel, I think, Hasbro or Toy Biz at the time had done some complimentary action figures whenever the stuff was released. I think I remember like an ex, the original line, but as the movies went on and on, Marvel turned the faucet off and, and, and that was purposeful because they wanted those characters back and they wanted to give the least support possible to the Fox, uh, you know, uh, the, the, to, to the cachet of Fox properties. And, and, and you got to understand, uh, Fox had, had Daredevil, Okay, remember Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner and Daredevil? That that's a Fox film. They had Fantastic Four as well as the X Men. That you could argue that it, at, at what at, during that time with Daredevil, Fantastic Four, and the X Men, that Fox had a more important swath of the Marvel universe than what Disney purchased from them. And I've always been impressed the fact that Disney paid the four billion dollars they did for Marvel when they did because it was just the Avengers line. And and then of course the Guardians of the Galaxy and look we got we got to then go all the way back to Kevin Feige who made sure all of that went off without a hitch and took as many gambles as he did. So like I said, Kevin is seen as the God King and he actually uttered the words Deadpool um, for the first time significantly uh, since the purchase. You'd heard Bob Iger say positive things and of course the stuff that Bob Iger was seeing saying when 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 um, Fox was purchased by Disney it was. Uh, it was logical. It was the kind of stuff that you'd expect uh, uh, from a president, a chairman of the board who has just bought a giant asset, $70 billion, 70 billion. I'm going to say it three, three times, $70 billion is what Disney paid for Fox in a bidding war that to um, their credit, whatever you think of them as businessmen, the Murdoch family, Rupert Murdoch played that hand exceptionally well. He took the Viacom universal deal, which uh, they entered the picture and and turned that from an initial I think fifty or forty five billion offer to a seventy billion closeout deal with Disney seventy billion dollars it staggers the mind given that Marvel sold for four billion and Star Wars sold for four billion so Fox was I mean good God eight eight billion between Star Wars and Marvel times what I mean it's 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 almost times ten not quite but it's it's an, an enormous enormous purchase and you're gonna you're as, as we go through this, you're going to hear some of what I heard along the way with all my friends at Marvel and Fox and Disney, because again, the world, the world of entertainment and comics have, have really collapsed in, in regards to that. There's not, there's no barriers anymore. Everyone is kind of sharing information. The respect has been extended. The guys who are making these movies now have respect, not as much as they should. I'm not, I'll be honest, nowhere near as much as they should, but, but something's better than nothing. And we, and you have to start somewhere. And and in, in the early two thousands, the comic creators were just treated like shit, and and I I just they didn't advocate for themselves in the way that they should have. In my opinion, you got to stand up, you got to make things uncomfortable sometimes, and and in my case, I was not going to be uh, diminished at any time, but I didn't have to ever stammer and and throw a fit because I was welcomed into the crew, as you're going to find out um, from the very offset of this Deadpool uh, development. When it shoots out into its own film in, in, in the development stage, all on through, I was welcomed into the process and, and hopefully just gave some hope that you can actually be a guy who creates a, a huge character, a world, uh, especially when you get to Deadpool 2 and you've expanded it to Cable and Domino and beyond Vanessa and Deadpool uh, and, and, you're, and you're building out X-Force even though there was you know just a, a brief glimpse of, of, of X-Force and it was a comedic kind of slang on it at that time. The, 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 the serious uh, formation of X-Force was in the cards. So 
you know, uh, hopefully, you know, you got, you got to stay in there and you got to make your, you, you got to make your presence known. And I, and I say that for everybody, no matter what it is, no matter what they're doing, when, when, when the Titans show adopted Hawk and Dove, Don Granger is a creation of mine. I share a equity in that character. I made myself known. I was like, you can't really de- deal me out of the deck here. And as creators, that's just my one side note. You got to, you got to, you know, um, make sure that your voice is heard. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable. And sometimes those conversations that the executives want to diminish you, you cannot at all ever be diminished. Uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've told some guys, I mean, look, you don't understand the lengths that I'll go to be taken seriously on this because, you know, my, my voice matters. The voices that we have as comic book creators, as we are the Stephen Kings, we are the um, George R.R. R. Martins of our work. This, this work is a product of of our creativity, our imagination, our blood, sweat, and tears. We are the dreamers of dreams. We are the makers of magic, okay? That's kind of a take on O'Shaughnessy's uh, famous quote that I very first heard in a Willy Wonka movie. So I think Willy Wonka actually speaks that in in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So look, uh, I was very fortunate to be a part of this, but, but it is staggering that when Disney buys Fox... Um, it, it's for that $70 billion. It's just weird. But of course, Bob Iger, who I have had the chance to ma- meet and, 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 you know, speak to, albeit very briefly, but, uh, he's very affable. He got to where he got, but by being someone who, you know, makes the right decisions, makes the right calls. And so he repeatedly said, we would never change Deadpool when it was first, you know, purchased. We will keep it. We will adhere it to everything that 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 has made it successful, which implied the R rating, which implied Ryan's um, uh, incredible input on the character, and so. But but um, besides that, it, it, there there hadn't been a whole lot of endorsement from the Disney uh, side, Disney Marvel side of things. So when during the Wandavision junkets this week, someone uh, I believe it was Stephen from Collider. Uh, presented to uh, Kevin Feige that, you know, what's going on with Deadpool. Feige rose up, t- talked about how important Ryan is, how successful he is, what, what a busy schedule he has. But the Deadpool absolutely will be involved in the MCU uh, and will be R-rated. And that is from the mouth of, as the magazine called, the God King. The God King of Marvel said this. And so now everyone takes it a little bit more seriously because they can trace it to Kevin Feige's mouth because that's on video and, uh, and, and the quotes were everywhere. So... You know, Deadpool dominated again with really very little in the way of news and what way they're going to take the character. Um, but, and, and, and everyone speculates, is Deadpool going to appear in Doctor Strange? Is he going to appear in Spider-Man 3? Is he going to appear, now that we're talking multiverses and the fact that Deadpool has a time machine that he is using in the after credits of Deadpool 2, it just all feels like it could seamlessly come together without any hitch whatsoever. And he could just drop right in and and do his thing and be funny and be violent and be the Deadpool that we know and we love. But where did that all start? That all started in Wolverine Origins when in spinning off from the, you know, looking to rebound from X3, which had its problems. I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is, but it's, you know, it's got, it's got, it's got its issues. Um, but the, I, the, the thing about X3 on the flip is that it was the most successful of the X-Men movies. It opened huge, which was a resounding you know, uh, uh, approval from the audience of the Hugh Jackman, you know, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, X-Men films. I mean, X-Men 3 opened huge at the time. It was the biggest opener. And, uh, and, and so, so of course, 
to, to you know, they heard the, the, the criticism and Hugh Jackman, who was unknown at the beginning, is now a movie star. It's the rare thing for Fox to make a movie star because Fox, as we're going to get into, promising to follow up on this whole movie star, star category, Fox loves movie stars. 20th Century Fox, as they were uh, in the last 20 years prior to Disney loves movie stars. They will bank on a movie star above all else every time. You know, if you walk in with a great concept and a great director and a great producer, it doesn't matter if Mark Wahlberg walks in the door with something maybe not as viable, but he says he'll star in it. Boom, they're greenlighting it. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the guy who was running it, Tom Rothman, loved movie stars more than anything. And he felt like that was a fallback all the time. Um, for, for anything that, well, if it has a movie star in it, then we can feel better about making it because the public loves movie stars. Well, Hugh Jackman in his role as Wolverine had become a mega giant movie star. And so Wolverine Origins was a no-brainer. There are, there are so many parts of Wolverine Origins that on its own are really great, but the entire whole doesn't hold together as well. I think it's shot very well. I think the opening... Uh, which reflects the Wolverine origins and, and then them running through the Civil War and World War One and the Vietnam War. I mean, that is some masterful stuff. I've watched that opening again and again and again, and it, it's always great. It's filmed just terrifically. Um, I think Liv Schreiber as uh, as as uh, or Schreiber as as Sabretooth was terrific casting. Um, I thought it was more grounded than 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 what they had given us in the previous previous ones. Although Tyler Mann was great in, in X Men. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, that Wolverine Origins is set to go and they built out the cast and it was announced early that Deadpool was going to be in there. Now, if you guys saw Blade 3, you saw what I, <laughs> what I call Ryan Reynolds' first rough pass at, uh, at, at, uh, his first rough pass at, at being Deadpool because the, uh, uh, you know, his, his, his character in Blade 3 which, you know, it will come to me in a minute because I'm blanking here. Uh, but his character in, in Blade 3, who I had loved in the comics, but in the comics, that character wasn't anywhere near as as, as smartass. Um, but certainly Hannibal King, that's his name, Hannibal King. Ryan as Hannibal King was just fantastic. And it felt like, hey, you know, that this guy is, is playing Deadpool. Now, that was released... In, in 2004, shot in 2003, okay? And if you see it, Ryan is, I mean, again, as Hannibal King, he is ripped. He is tall. He is strong. He has that beard. He's got his weapons. So he really is in a de facto kind of Wade Wilson role. He's great. He's smartass. He's got all the wisecracks, everything we love about Ryan because, you know, it's not Ryan's fault that he's so damn good looking and handsome and, and that he has so much charisma and he catches our attention and, and, and he's also got the sharpest tongue I can, can tell you from uh, personal experience. Uh, that wit is, is, is so razor fast, sharp, and, and, and I am just fortunate that I have never been caught in the crossfire. Um, he, he says some funny, quippy things. Um, but man, oh, I, I mean, imagine getting into like a, a, a one-off with Ryan. I, I, I just, I can't even imagine. I think he would verbally just cut you down to, 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 you know, you, you'd, you'd have a torso when you were left. It'd be like, you know, the, the, in, in, in Monty Python. I mean, he'd take your arms, he'd take your legs at the end. You'd just be a husk it, talking about they're just flesh wounds. When in fact, he just left you on the, on the side of the road with that, that sharp razor katana-like tongue of his so so 
in Blade Three as Hannibal King, he really did exhibit like it was almost like it was a, it was a uh, walking, talking uh, uh, <laughs> advertisement for what he would do as as Deadpool. And I think that's when everyone realized he was Deadpool. Cable, Deadpool, the comic book hadn't launched yet. He hadn't been brought back into the into the limelight. Marvel in a totally different. Uh, uh, topic that we'll get into at some point. Marvel had stopped publishing Deadpool and they had stopped publishing Cable. Agent X and Soldier X. Oh, we're going to get into that deep, deep coming up very soon because once this Deadpool stuff wraps, the 2000s are awaiting and they are ripe. The 2000s is one of my favorite eras of comics to examine, but Marvel's not even publishing a Deadpool comic when Hannibal, uh, when, when, when Ryan is Hannibal King. And, but I think that's when Hollywood and the producers who love Deadpool were starting to notice, wow, this guy could pull off Deadpool. Um, the Deadpool rights, ironically, at that time were over at New Line, okay, the same studio that made Blade. And, uh, and, and, and so, so there, was, there, there was some talk that New Line was going to go ahead with a Deadpool film. But as it turned out, uh, you know, the Fox actually bought the package. It was like Lionsgate involved. There was all these different tentacles on this package of characters, but it then went to Fox. And so Fox could then plug Deadpool in to their X-Men film. And so, of course, Ryan gets the call in 2008 because that's when they film Wolverine Origins. You saw it in 2009, but people tend to forget that these things aren't filmed like a week before. They're always, uh, you know, I mean, look, Black Widow. When is Black Widow coming out? When Black Widow comes out, it was filmed, you know, sometime in in in, in early 2019. And maybe we're going to get it in 2021. I mean, this stuff, especially the stuff that's been sitting on the shelf, but even, even in the best case scenario, you always got to go, they made this a year ago. They made this a year ago. Once it's made, it's edited, it's cut, it's assembled. The studio reviews different cuts. They go back to the director, the producer. Then they start testing the product and then they test the films. And then, then they base the, they take the scores and they have the reshoots. And then the reshoots commence and then the reshoots come out and they assemble a new cut and they test that. So again, you've always got to build in that this stuff has a year in it, right? So Wolverine Origins is um, filming. And at that time, I meet a producer named Ralph Winter. And he is one of the line producers on Wolverine Origins. And he had done a bunch of Star Trek films and he'd been around the block. And we were he was involved in another project I was talking about. And he, he was talking to me about Wolverine Origins. And I said, oh man, you got... You got Deadpool in that movie. And it was so weird because he's like, well, the the you know, the focus of, of Wolverine Origins is to launch a is to launch a Gambit franchise. And I'm like, launch a Gambit franchise? Like, I love Gambit. Okay, Gambit's fine, but Deadpool by 2009, Deadpool is 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 really surging again due to as if if you followed this podcast in the Merch with the Mouth episode when we talk about the licensing. Deadpool had been in video games nonstop, 2006, 2007, 2008. The Capcom, Marvel, uh, Ultimate Alliance, uh, all of these games had really bolstered Deadpool to a, a level of popularity with young audiences that 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 hadn't been seen of since he arrived. Because uh, the comic, again, they're not even publishing a comic. Uh, when, 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 you know, when they greenlight it, uh, uh, the Deadpool film, they're, they're, they're just getting a new series off the ground. But but Deadpool was left behind for uh, Marvel Publishing for years. Um, he had, They paired him with Cable, Cable Deadpool, which ran its course. And then in 2000, 
in 2008, 2009, I think as, as part of whatever was going on with Secret Invasion, they launched another Deadpool title after not having one for quite some time. So, so the popularity of Deadpool was being carried by video games. Again, I have two kids. I can tell you, they just dug on that stuff. Deadpool was there. They just thought he was great. The violence, the swords, the katanas, the smart cracks. Spider-Man with guns and swords was happening right in front of us. Kids were interacting with him. And I've always, again, this this generation loves their tactile stuff, whether it's, again, Halo, Tour of Duty, um, Call of Duty, sorry, Call of Duty, um, all of these very, um, and, I, and I know this stuff is is heavily scrutinized as, you know, all these kids playing with machine guns and, 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 and you know, uh, missiles and, and uh, uh, throwing grenades at people on video games, first-person shooters. But look, it, it is what it is. Kids love their gear. Gears of War, they love their gear, they love their... Uh, I did, I loved it as, as far back as G.I. Joe, Star Wars. So so Spider-Man with guns and swords, in quotes, the, the moniker that I sold Deadpool with was playing out now on video games regularly to great acclaim. So when this guy tells me that, that it's all about Gambit, I was like, huh? So I decided to investigate a little further. And because I had some business over at Fox, uh, I talked to the, uh, the, the producers and um, they were... Uh, I think start, starting to test Wolverine Origins. And I met with a guy named Alex Young, who was an executive at the time. And I said, look, dude, what are you doing with Deadpool? You putting him in, 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 uh, in costume. And he's like, no, not quite. And I go, what do you mean? You got Deadpool and you're not putting him in costume? I mean, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. And, and again, when Ryan Reynolds was announced that he was going to be joining Hugh Jackman alongside, you know, for an X-Men movie in Wolverine Origins, people were thrilled because it was so, again, based on what happened in with Hannibal, which was released in, 2004, I mean, I think it was just a no-brainer to, to blend him into the Deadpool role. So uh, then I, I, I got to see what they were doing with the mouth shown, sh- sewn shut. And here's the deal. About six weeks, which is plenty of time, <coughs> six weeks uh, before Wolverine Origins was released, maybe a little further back, but it was, it was, it was definitely the least amount of, of six weeks, I was in the Fox offices and I swung by Alex Young, who was the big, hot executive uh, who had the X-Men movies. And I wrote a note. I said, Alex, it's not too late. Go to a soundstage. Put, ha- have have somebody in, you know, the costuming department, fashion, a Deadpool mask. Have somebody, if Ryan's not available, he can do the the voiceover. But have somebody emerge from the stat shadows with the katana and the gun and basically like, I'll be back. And uh, you got to have him in costume. You got to, at least in the after credits, uh, you got to show that, that you know, Deadpool is got a mask on. Iron Man had made the after credits and, and Hulk the year before in 2008 when those movies came out. And I knew Wolverine Origins was going to have some after credits. So I really urged them like, dude, just ma- you will get so much goodwill and they will forgive you for this mouth sewn shut um, giant, you know, katanas coming out from his elbows I still don't understand how he moved in that movie, Wolverine Origins. I still, uh, when he comes out, you know, to face Hugh, um, I just, when those long blades come out and you've sewn his mouth shut, it's still, it's so, it's so baffling to me that those decisions were made. And and I've never really investigated to the point who made them, but I pleaded with the studio, just come on, have somebody make something overnight. You can fashion the mask two days, 48 hours, whatever, shoot it. And splice it in. It's easy. It's a tag along. You don't have to have blended it. It's it's a tag. It's something you show at the end. Coming emerging from the shadows, and fans would have flipped out because 
I'll tell you how I know this. In the summer of 2008, my head was down at my table at Artist Alley. Or no, I was at the Image Comics table. I was at the Image Comics table. And I was drawing and signing. And suddenly, hands slammed onto my table. Shook me, startled me so much. And um, it was fans who had just come from Hall H and had been previewed Wolverine Origins with Hugh Jackman. And they'd seen some footage and they had heard that Deadpool was in it. And he goes, Liefeld, did you hear? Did you see Deadpool's in Wolverine Origins? And it was news to this crowd, even though it had been in the trades and had been in the news. But now it was being experienced a full year in advance. They're promoting it. And I mean, when those two hands slammed, this kid was so excited. And his friends and they had their backpacks and they're so excited. I said, yeah, what'd you see? Well, not much, but but Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. And oh my gosh, it's happening. So that's that's July of 2008. So I know that by May of 2009, there's plenty of time to, you know, to make this happen, to get this right. So I, that's what I said. I met Ralph Winter. He told me it was all about Gambit. I'm like, huh, you don't know about Deadpool. And then investigating and realizing what they were doing with Deadpool. So I urged them. Now, Marvel themselves, because they would plan accordingly, they put out a straight-to-DVD to coincide with the release of Wolverine Origins um, that had Hulk versus, and it was Hulk versus Wolverine and Hulk versus Thor, but the Hulk versus Wolverine had Deadpool in it. And the reason I know that is my ex-studio mate, Jeff Matsuda, who I had given his very first comic book work, and he worked for me for about three and a half, four years, nonstop at our studio, was the uh, uh, character designer um, on this straight-to-DVD, and in fact had myself and Marat Michaels over to his house to screen on his big screen the, the, uh, the cartoon, which took place at Weapon X. It has Wolverine invading Weapon X and Deadpool and Omega Red and all of this stuff. Um, and, and he has, uh, uh, he shows us this in his, in his room months before it's released on DVD. So, and, and Deadpool is a huge part of this Hulk versus Wolverine because, uh, it's, uh, I think they think Deadpool is going to be in this Wolverine Origins movie and we're going to get a jump on this. So they greenlit this killer animation and, uh, I mean, it's such, if you've never seen it, the, the, the DVD two-pack, it's Hulk versus Thor, Hulk versus Wolverine, and the Wolverine one is spectacular. The animation is great. Jeff did all the character turnarounds, designs, Wolverine, Lady Deathstrike, Deadpool. Um, it's such a fun, you know, cartoon. And, and so, again, Deadpool is in full, looks exactly like he walked out of New Mutants 98. He's funny. He's not parody. He's the Deadpool you love, the badass, the smartass that we talked about. And so, you know, seeing him come out it, with his mouth sewn shut, it all just is so baffling to me. I, I think it caught everybody by surprise. But let me tell you something. Here's the aside. Because again, my kids, my two boys were like my laboratory for years and years. Not purposefully. I just would, you know, pay attention. There was a period there for about two years. If there was an animated movie coming out and they showed it on TV and they showed a trailer, if my kids didn't ask to see it, turn around, Dad, can we see that? It was not a hit. It, they, they just, their tastes were very commercial. What they liked was the stuff that went, you know, worldwide, global, big time success. And if they didn't like it, I knew that whoever made that product was going to be for a rude awakening because, uh, you know, it just, it just didn't appeal to them. I had never been into the Transformers, but my kids really wanted to see the Transformers movie in 2007. And so I showed up opening night with Chase and Luke. Those are my boys. Um, and, and, and they, they're seven and five and they flipped out, loved Transformers and, and, and those Transformers movies 
that generation that saw them at seven and five and then saw the sequels at nine and seven and then, you know, 11 and nine. I mean, that's that those movies just locked into that age group. So my kids were a great laboratory, laboratory for me. I take them to see Wolverine Origins. I take them with our two, uh, our, our, they're, they're two best friends who my best friend Luke had a best friend named Luke and uh, Brawny Bronson. Uh, they're two little best friends. So it was two seven-year-olds and two, two, two five-year-olds. No, no, no. In 2000, two nine-year-olds and two seven-year-olds at Wolverine Origins. And so we watch it and we see that, that end where, where Ryan as, as Deadpool with the, with the mutant powers and the, and, and the, with the, the Cyclops blast eyes and the sewn mouth, the, the mouth shown shut and the giant long blades that, that come out of his arms that if they retract, he can't move those elbows. But anyway, and they have that battle on top of that nuclear, you know, power plant the cylinder and uh we run uh, we're, we're exiting the movie theater and then the kids all run out and there's a giant kind of giant you know concrete uh pad with, with uh you know area where that's just wide open and no one's using it right outside the theater and my kids all go into kind of battle motion like they throw their arms back like they're wolverine and they're doing their little you know they're doing their they're they're they're, they're playing through what they just saw and, uh, and, and I'm watching this and just, you know, probably sipping on my Starbucks and I'm glancing over and they're arguing over who can be Deadpool. And I'm like, what? Th- this version of dead. And, and so I, I can't just idly stand by. I like, know oh, I'm Deadpool. I'm Deadpool. No, no, I'm Deadpool. And I said, Hey guys, time out. Why are you guys digging on Deadpool so much? And our, my buddy, my, my, my son, Luke, his friend, Luke, Luke Taggart goes, cause Deadpool took on Sabretooth and Wolverine. And that, in my mind, immediately spoke to Darth Maul, who took on Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon simultaneously, and Im- immediately elevates your bad guy, and speaks to the cool factor, and speaks to the fact that uh, I think people forget also that Wolverine Origins opened to uh, $90 million um, on its own. So, so this spinoff movie opened to this giant, giant success. And, and it cannot be underscored how successful that opening weekend was. Um, it was a giant success for Fox in that it had, it had emerged to, to such a giant, you know, box office yield. And, uh, and I mean, 90 some million dollars that opening weekend. I don't know what it did worldwide, but that's what it did in the United States. And I mean, clearly kids love Wolverine, kids love Sabretooth and, and seeing right here, Again, my kids had did not know that I had an association with Deadpool. These neighbor kids certainly didn't by that time, and uh, and they, they I mean, I, I'm Deadpool because I took on Wolverine and Sabretooth, and right there, that equation—that's kids' equation. That's kids' math. You can't, you know, it's just like why I I favored Luke Skywalker because he's Jedi, and my friends favored Han Solo because he's more of a cowboy. It's just, you know, it's headspace. It's where your interests are at, and and in this case, I saw that Deadpool had some favor, so I was like, wow, if they really. If they do their, you know, come back with Deadpool, because if you guys remember that Wolverine Origins tag, uh, the hand was crawling towards the head. Um, so, so there was some, like, uh, there was a tag with Deadpool. It just wasn't the one where he comes out, emerges from the, st- the shadows. Um, I mean, anything like, they, you know, uh, you know, all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Deadpool back together again. I don't know, something lame, whatever, that emerged with just a mask from the shadows and a katana and a, and a handgun. But... Again, they did they did do a tag, but it's 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 showing that well, Deadpool's alive. He exists, and so what happens is the Monday after Wolverine Origins, um, hits you guys, the Monday after, okay, 
This is May 5th. 2009, because Wolverine Origins opened on May 2nd. May 2nd. On May 5th, 2009, the uh, Deadline Hollywood, Deadline Hollywood, Michael Fleming, Fox begins development on Deadpool. 20th Century Fox has begun development on Deadpool, crafted as a star vehicle for Ryan Reynolds, who played the character in Wolverine. The character is one of the most popular in Marvel Comics' X-Men universe. Wade Wilson, a mercenary who, dying of cancer, submits himself to the Weapon X program, emerges as an indestructible, semi-sane anti-hero. Uh, you know, uh, Deadpool, uh, you know, will be played by Ryan Reynolds. In one of the Easter egg endings of Wolverine, Deadpool is seen whispering shh to the audiences. The film will be produced by Lauren Schuler Donner and Marvel, blah, blah, blah. So, uh... Here's the deal. Ryan was on the precipice of blowing to the next level of movie star status because he um, he uh, would follow up a few weeks after this. He would follow up uh, uh, this this um, this turn as Deadpool in Wolverine Origins. He had another movie coming out, and this was a huge summer for Ryan. This was a giant, and as a Ryan Reynolds fan, it was fun to watch. It was fun to um, watch him, you know, uh, ascend into, into this giant next, next level. Uh, and, and, and so he and Ryan, he and Sandra Bullock were coming out, uh, in a movie called The Proposal. And, and it was a huge star turn by Ryan and it, and it, 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 it delivered, you know, a giant mega success. He and Sandra were gold and Sandra Bullock had, was already proven box office, you know, pro proven box office uh, uh, success with hit after hit after hit for all, for at that point in 2009. I mean, literally, she'd been like almost two decades of giant Sandra Bullock hits. Um, and uh, and now here comes Ryan and people went crazy. That movie was a giant, massive, mega success. And it put Ryan over the top. That summer, Entertainment Weekly, Ryan Reynolds is the man of the year. He's coming out of the pool with his eight-pack and his scuba gear and his amazing physique and that, again, that ridiculous handsomeness of him that emanates and that charisma. So Fox is now doubling down like we've seen what we can do with Ryan Reynolds. So uh, we, we've, we've seen that Ryan Reynolds audiences love him. So let's get him in a vehicle called Deadpool and spin him off and, and course correct from all the mistakes we made in Wolverine Origins. Now, I know that that was the case because I got the call. I received a phone call in August of 2009 from the offices of Lauren Schuler Donner, uh, who had been producing all of the X-Men movies. Her, her, her name continues to be on the X-Men movies now with the Disney stuff. I think it may, it may continue. There may be some carryover depending on what kind of producer's deal that is. But Lauren Schuler Donner is the wife of Richard Donner. Richard Donner, or as some call him, Dick Donner, uh, gave you Superman 1, Superman 2, Lethal Weapon, all of the Lethal Weapons, the Goonies. Dick Donner is a giant... Uh, movie director, producer, and his wife alongside of him, their IMDb page will spin your head. There is nothing but huge, tremendous, amazing hits. They were a commercial hit factory for the longest time. And obviously with Dick Donner giving us the, the Superman films and then his wife giving us the X-Men films, they had some super uh, comic cachet in the, in the movie world. And so I get a call from Lauren Schuler Donner's offices um, and they, they contact my agent and my agent contacts me and they schedule that they want to meet with me. And so 
and, and talk about Deadpool and talk about breaking story and, 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 and talking about what could be expected from a Deadpool movie. So in late August, uh, Marat Michaels, who you guys heard me interview last time, he is, he and I are now working together, not in a studio system, but Marat is out here in Southern California. We're doing work together. And, um, I asked Marat if he would drive up with me and, uh, and, and just kill some time because he had friends in LA while I went and did this meeting because it would help me with the carpool. Cause since I live in Orange County, so this is like a four o'clock in the afternoon meeting at Lauren Schuler Donner's offices in, um, in Beverly Hills, which is off Wilshire Boulevard and Marat drops me off. I go up stairs to take my meeting. Uh, there's a gentleman named Derek Hoffman. He is kind of the second in charge. He is Lauren Schuler Donner's, um, right-hand man, uh, working underneath her to, to, to kind of, to, to blend everything together, get all this stuff, all this development, all this produ- production stuff, uh, keep, keep it on track. And I meet Derek. He's very, very, you know, affable, very kind. And, uh, Derek went on to become, uh, the, the, the Foxes, the gifted that was on, uh, two, two falls ago, which was kind of a really great, uh, take. I really enjoyed it, uh, on, on Fox television of the X-Men kind of without costumes, but, and even some of my characters were in that too, like Warpath. Um, but, but that, that was a really cool, I love the gifted. Um, so, so Derek is still in the X business all these years later. And at that time he's facilitating this meeting. I walk in, I meet Lauren Schuler Donner. I sit down with Derek and about if, if you've ever been to a Hollywood kind of meeting, there's now, uh, in addition to Derek, in addition to Lauren Schuler Donner and myself, there's four to five, I'm, I'm going to go five other people were in this giant room, all with long yellow legal pads. And, uh, the, the game was afoot. They're like, look, we messed up with Deadpool. We didn't deliver the Deadpool that people wanted, but we know that we have Ryan Reynolds. Uh, people love him, and we want to course correct on Deadpool. So we wanted to go over with you as the creator of Deadpool, what, like bounce some ideas off of you. And I said, let's go. And the first thing uh, that was asked was, uh, do you think Cable needs to be in the first movie? And to this day, I felt Cable like breathing down my neck going, way to turn on me, buddy. But my, my beloved Cable, uh, when they asked, should it be a Cable and a Deadpool film? I said, no. And the reason I said no is I'm thinking box office. I'm thinking the most success that they can have. And I thought Deadpool is going to be a mouthful to introduce properly since the Wolverine Origins wasn't the right kind of introduction to him. They're going to have to start from scratch. And if you involve Cable at the outset, then you're complicating it. And potentially, uh, again, given the way that these were being produced, and the problems they inherently had, as in, you know, Wolverine Origins is all about Gambit. Um, I just, I felt like, look, let's not load this down. Let's make this just about Deadpool. Cable can come in at a later time. People love Cable. People will love Cable. He's one of the most, the best-selling characters in the Marvel Universe, much less the X-Men Universe. The face of X-Force, number one, the five million copies, all the toys, everything. Cable's fine. Cable will be fine. He'll be there. He'll come in later. But we... I, I said, I just think this should focus on Deadpool and Deadpool alone because you've got Ryan and you can focus on him and let him do his thing and give him room to breathe. And, you know, as I'm saying this, they're, they're scribbling down on, on yellow pads. Scribble, 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 scribble. No, no, no cable. Focus on Ryan. Focus on Deadpool. Okay. Then they go, well, as far as the love interest, because we've read the comics, is it Siren or should we do Vanessa? Vanessa or Siren? And I go, oh my gosh, you guys. Again, in the, in the, in the, in the interest of not complicating this, Siren has, you need to introduce Banshee before you get to Siren for that to all make sense. And I'm just thinking like, no, stick with Vanessa. Vanessa is grounded. Vanessa has a great twist. Okay. Vanessa gets you so much more. 
and 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 they kind of have a a fun, dirty, skanky relationship. I mean, they're kind of a couple of low lives in in the way that they have been have interacted with each other. And that's more realistic than hey, Deadpool, you're in love with the daughter of a famous X Men that we've never introduced on film before. So again, I'm I'm ixnaying Siren right there. No, stick with stick with Vanessa, stick with Deadpool. Well, what about the villains? And we discussed Kane from Weapon X, and we discussed other possibilities. And they were starting to bring up some of these, you know. Uh, like I said, parody level villains. And I said, no, stay away from that stuff. Stay away from that stuff. Stick with the fact that this guy, his life is drastically altered because of cancer. He submits himself to the program. The program twists him. He comes out twisted. He has his healing abilities. He is a formidable badass with the katanas, the guns. I said, you know, if he's saving the girl, then you've got your story. If Vanessa is in danger and Deadpool has to save her, you've got all the DNA you need to make a movie that is going to be a giant hit. Now, here's the deal. I knew that this wasn't going to be budgeted huge. It's Deadpool. He doesn't have superpowers. He's His powers are you know, revealed when, when you sever an arm or when he regrows, but he's not a guy who's going to fly. Um, he's not a guy who's going to uh, anymore, hopefully, have blasts coming out of his eyes. He's not going to summon a storm. He's not going to magnetically rip a building off its, you know, uh, moorings. He, he's just a, you know, he, he, he's a, he's basically an action hero. And action heroes are cheaper and, and more reasonable in, 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 you know, to film and to pull that off. And again, now you're talking great stunts and great fight choreography and stuff that's more manageable than these giant green screen, you know, productions. Um, so we had a great 90 minute meeting because we talked all these different points through and, and, uh, you know, I really was lobbying for Kane cause I loved Kane so much. And I thought that having another, uh, you know, more refined version of K of, of the weapon X, which, as I said, I had created Deadpool as weapon nine, Wolverine's weapon 10. Then there's Kane as weapon 11. So that's the succession. You know, we've already done the Wolverine stuff. So now, you know, not not thinking that Hugh Jackman would be involved. You've got you get an you get an opportunity to introduce Kane, who's had these great throwdowns, very memorable. Again, also Kane is you know introduced battling Deadpool in X Force number two, which had the most penetration in regards to audience eyeballs, and 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 then was featured again in the Lightfield Palooza, uh, Deadpool you know uh, miniseries where where it's Vanessa and it's and it's and it's Kane and it's Zero and. and it's obviously heavily focused on Wade. So so those are the kind of things we talked through. And it was great. And I got the sense that this thing was going to cook. This thing was just going to cook. And uh, I, I, I was very excited to see it all come together. They were going to then formulate kind of their own directive and then go out and shop for writers. I can tell you this. When I exited Lauren Schuler's production offices and hit the uh, went back to Wilshire, um, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills where Marat was going to uh, pick me up and I hopped in Marat's car. I was just just screaming with energy. I, I literally, Marat's like, how did it go? And I'm like, it's awesome. Oh my gosh. They're totally in a Deadpool. This is going to happen. Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. It's going to go forward. The energy is there. The focus is there. The excitement is there. And so we drove away. And I am like, this is going to happen. I went home. I was so excited. I told my wife, like, they're, they're totally locked in. They're, 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 you know, this is great. It was great to kind of figure out specifics. And, um, 
you know, different ways that they could do stuff and just focus on the funny. And I, what I did come away with that they weren't going to do the parody Deadpool that had been, I think, very problematic to his popularity. He wasn't going to be the cracked Marvel mad kind of gag version of Deadpool. They were going to try and continue to ground him. That's why I pushed so hard for Vanessa and that earthbound kind of relationship. But I had no idea they would land the caliber of writers writers that they did in Rhett Reese and Paul Warnett because later that year, close to thanks, close to Halloween, Zombieland comes out. Now, my wife is not a zombie. She doesn't like that stuff. She's not into like horror and so I, I have to tread carefully. And so I had talked to her, I talked her into seeing Zombieland on opening night when it came out based on the cast and how and the and the and the the marketing, the commercials, the trailers were all really positive. And so Joy and I go with obviously a very packed uh house because Zombieland, the first Zombieland was a huge hit and we go see it and Joy loves it. And I can't believe how witty and smart. It's so smart. Zombieland is so brilliant. The writing is so high level. It's, 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 it's just such a joy to, 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 to watch a movie like that, which, which, which blended genres and action and comedy. And so when in 2010, early 2010, they announced that the Zombieland guys, Rhett and Paul are going to be doing Deadpool. I flip out. I absolutely Oh my gosh, I mean, the winning streak is going to continue. Not only do we have Ryan Reynolds, and they are, you know, Schuler Donner is completely locked in on delivering the best possible package. And so Rhett and Paul, they hand in their, uh, their Deadpool screenplay. Now, as fate would have it, all things Deadpool, at that point, were finding themselves, um, you know, uh, were landing at my doorway. And... Uh, and I can't tell you how excited I was to uh, to read Rhett and Paul's vision because, man, did they 100%, you know, uh, completely land the plane, as they say. They completely landed the plane. And and uh, it was two, 20, uh, 2010 that the uh, Deadpool movie screenplay by Rhett Reese and Paul Warnock leaked. It leaked in 2010 because they wrote that movie so fast. You guys, Wolverine Origins is released in May of 2009. I meet with Lauren, the, the Donner Company, who is now, they don't have writers yet, but they're what, what's called breaking story, kind of finding their way. Again, no cable, no siren. It's like, oh, I still, I think, I, I still think cable is pissed off at me for that. But um, bottom line, Everything is as it should be, but the screenplay leaks uh, early, kind of spring 2010, summer 2010, and I read it and I am blown away. And everything that you love about the 2016 Deadpool film that you saw is on the page. It's right there. It's on the page. It's witty. It's sharp. It's violent as hell. It's R-rated. And it reads like, what if Quentin Tarantino wrote a comic book movie? And at the time, I'm, I, I knew... Like this movie needs the juice. They, the, the Fox people need to continue to be excited about this because for whatever reason, um, Tom Rothman just was not completely in on this. He was not convinced. I don't know what, I've always wondered what was going on with him in regards to why he was so hesitant, but I wanted to get it out there that this Deadpool movie was the hottest screenplay I had read. And I knew if other people read it, they would flip out about it. Well, I wasn't the one who leaked it, but it suddenly just got out there and the websites are reviewing it. And I remember one website in particular said, this is Ryan Reynolds, Captain Jack Sparrow. Now, before 
Captain Jack Sparrow and Johnny Depp and everything with him went sideways. Remember that in 2010, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise was the hottest thing ever. Those first that first trilogy of movies is brilliant. Johnny Depp is fantastic. Captain Jack was a force of nature. But this this Deadpool screenplay was like a signature role that you could see Ryan Reynolds, if he portrayed this, it would be uh, literally like the crown jewel in his resume to date. And understanding that Ryan had very much input into the script, as he would tell me later, obviously Paul and Rhett are sole credited screenwriters on that screenplay, but Ryan was very much in the mix on the phone, uh, conversing with them, you know, putting very much of himself into the screenplay, but the structure the way the movie was structured in that it was told out of, um, you know, out of sequence and it was um, non-linear, which is, again, kind of like a Tarantino film, kind of like a Pulp Fiction, a Reservoir Dogs, kind of the thing that he does so well. And then the fact that the action was so bloody and, and R-rated and the violence and the sex, the holiday stuff, that holiday scene where you go through the different holidays with Vanessa and, and with Wade and their meet cute at, at, the, at, the, at, at the bar and... And the threat level, and Francis, all of it, um, the origin story. Now it was a little bigger. I'll be honest. There was bigger action scenes than you got, and they were lost because of the budgetary restraints that Fox ultimately would clamp down on because they didn't want they they, you know, they ultimately greenlit it because of you guys, which we're going to get to. But at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> it, it it was a bigger screenplay. Let's say it wasn't a $55 million movie that they shot. Maybe it was a $70 million, $75 million movie when I read it. Um, Kane was in it heavily. Kane was actually the biggest element that he faced with Kane's ability to transform his arms into guns and, and cannons and his and his hands to fly off and his and his arms to elongate with, uh, with cybernetic coils. All of the stuff that you love about Kane in the comic books. It was like Weapon X... Uh, the, it was like X-Force number two, like sprung to life, that battle on a grand scale. Scale. He battled him multiple times before he ultimately got to Francis. Now, jumping ahead a little, Tim Miller called me about six weeks, eh, maybe eight weeks in that window before they filmed Deadpool in 2015 and said, Rob, I, I, I wanted to call you and let you know that uh, that we're not including uh, Kane. We had to cut him due to budgetary reasons because I kept saying, Who's getting cast as Kane? And so then he just came out and he goes, and he and his, his famous quote, Tim said to me, as only Tim can, Rob, I feel that I feel your tears, you know, coming through the other end of the phone. And I said, nope, nope, I, I'm not going to cry over this. Not, not a chance. Deadpool is going in front of the cameras. Vanessa is going in front of the cameras. This movie, the script, Ryan, it, th that's all I'm focused on. Kane can't be in it anymore. Fine. It, it was a great element of the movie. They'd even you know, done production sketches for him. They had, they had like, like designed a costume for him. Um, it, it's just, you know, it wasn't meant to be. So he has moved off the page. Uh, and, 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 and that was that. And all we were focused on at that point is getting this Deadpool film made. And I was so excited, but, uh, Rhett and Paul's screenplay is, you know, maybe one of the finest screenplays I've ever read. I've read literally hundreds of them. Um, the, the voice that 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 just the texture of their writing, the flow of the scenes, uh, it, it's 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 just a masterful work. Those guys just really hit it out of the park. And then the movie sat there for years. 2010. It's not greenlit to film until 2015. Okay, so for a five and 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 again, 
Fox commits to doing this in 2009. Now, I think they got caught up in the the movie star, uh, you know, aspect of it, and 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 they were still chasing movie stars, and 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 for whatever reason, for whatever reason, and it's not for me to say, I just never understood it that Tom Rothman just was not convinced that Deadpool, because at this point, movie stars aren't that big of a deal anymore. Because on the cover of Entertainment Weekly or on the cover of your website or the cover of whatever story was coming out, it was about characters. I remember one day picking up Entertainment Weekly and it said, the characters that have taken over Hollywood. And it was Optimus Prime. It was Shrek. Um, it was Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. But the Spider-Man costume, not Tobey Maguire, the actor. And it was ba- and Captain Jack Sparrow. And it was all about how uh, characters are now what are paying the dividends to the studios, not movie stars. And I'm like, you've got a character here in Deadpool. And you've got an actor, you've got a superstar, you've got a megastar, you've got a movie star, and Ryan Reynolds. Make this movie. But but whatever was keeping him from pe- pressing that button is whatever was keeping him from pressing that button. And he just wasn't moving forward with Deadpool no matter what. Even though he kept, you know, uh, uh, he, he wouldn't kill it. And, and they, it wasn't like they kept doing revisions. But I do know that with that screenplay, and this is what I think haunted it, they went out to a couple directors. I know Robert Rodriguez, uh, he of Spy Kids, he of, you know, Desperado. Uh, I mean, you know, El Mariachi. He had gotten really close to saying yes. And there's even an account of this in the LA Times, which had leaked it, that, that Robert Rodriguez was about to sign. He ultimately decided against making the movie. <clears throat> and when he fell out, I, I felt like it was almost going to be greenlit. And, and because he would have been perfect... Because Machete and <clears throat> all these other movies that Robert Rodriguez was, was making, he knew how to make a movie like this, like this screenplay, on budget, and 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 deliver the goods. And he knew, and obviously with his with his facilities in, I think it's Austin or El Paso, wherever he has his facilities, his giant, um, kind of his own version of ILM, his Industrial Light and Magic, a la Robert Rodriguez. I don't know the name of his of his of his studios. It's not off the top of my head, but Robert Rodri- Rodriguez would have been the perfect guy to do this. He uh, ultimately declines, and um, a couple other directors that I won't name that they had gone out to. Um, actually, I know Edgar Wright was one of them. Edgar Wright was um, uh, submitted and did not come through, uh, and, and, and also declined. And suddenly, what you have is the screenplay that's going out. Um, directors aren't signing onto it, and directors who had been perfect for the material. I thought coming off of Scott Pilgrim, Edgar Wright would have been brilliant. But once again, he. Uh, he uh, passed on that as well, and uh, and and ultimately, I think four to five directors just did not sign on to the Deadpool project. And at that point, I think it was it diminished it. it. It it no matter how amazing Ryan was, no matter how great the screenplay was, suddenly a group of directors, a group of talented directors, had decided to not move forward on the same screenplay that you saw Tim Miller okay uh, uh, direct. And I'm going to tell you that I was on the, uh, it was a Friday night. My kids were playing uh, uh, Friday, uh, this this giant passing league took over our county in the, in, in you know, around 2010, 2011. Um, football passing leagues from, you know, first grade through high school. Uh, my boys were, were playing this and uh, it was Friday nights that everyone would take the field and there was a local field here local high school with giant amounts of sports fields. So you'd fill, you'd field several, like seven games starting at four o'clock in the afternoon through eight o'clock in, in the evening, 
just rolling seven teams at one time. I mean, seven games. I mean, so 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 you're looking at you know 50 plus football teams were participating in this. Parents, kids. It was so exciting as a parent. Well, the reason I'm telling you this is because I'm on the sidelines. I'm an assistant coach on one of my son's football teams when the phone rings. And I pick it up and he says, hey, is this Rob Liefeld? I said, this is Rob Liefeld. And he goes, hey, this is Tim Miller. Am I catching you at a bad time? Now, I knew who Tim Miller. I knew of Tim Miller because Tim Miller, I knew, had directed this kick-ass uh, for, I think it was called the DC Universe uh, online, multiplayer online game. He had directed this opening sequence where the Justice League and battles Luther and the villains, and it was fantastic. So I knew exactly who Tim Miller was because he had done that DC Universe online, you know, kind of animated film. This this opener that was worth the price of admission, and uh, I was just blown away. I could not believe how good this was. So I knew that Tim was in the games, uh, the, the digital game space, digital, um, you know, uh, animation. And, 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 and commercials and, and, and special effects. I knew that Blur Studios, which was Tim Studios, did all of these things. Digital animation, special effects, movie stuff, all of it. So he goes, hey, Rob, this is Tim Miller. I got your number. And I wanted to um, introduce myself because I'm going to be the guy who's directing Deadpool. And I wanted to, uh, you know, just introduce myself and get to know you as the creator of Deadpool. And and just uh, let you know that I'm, I'm going to be involved in this. And, and I'm... I'm Excited to be on Deadpool. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of your comics. I bought your comics as a kid and uh, excited to be on board. And I'm like, whoa, awesome. We we not only got a director, we got a great director. And so Tim Miller is now on board the Deadpool film. And I feel like it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute 100% no-brainer. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, by the time 2011 comes... I have already visited Blur Studios a couple times. I've seen their animatics that they've done because they've been given a development fund by Fox to come up with a, a, a bunch of uh, uh, visual kind of components for certain scenes to kind of uh, do, do some digital representation with animatics and 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 kind of do basically what that is is digital storyboards of different scenes. And along the way, they were actually given enough money to make. A, a a few minute kind of scene from the movie, like shoot it. And I was at Tim's looking at different arrays of the freeway scene, which is so important, as you know, in the screenplay, the, the, the movie starts out with Deadpool battling the bad guys on the freeway and the, the Escalade tumbling and the motorcycles and all these, you know, different elements that you eventually saw, but it's inner and, and, and then you're going in and out during the story, ultimately up until when, you know, Colossus enters the picture on the freeway, which again is in the script as it was written back in 2010. So it's 2011. Tim Miller's on board. I mean, 20, uh, uh, it's, uh, summer, late spring, early summer of 2010 when Tim says he's coming on board. So even after these guys have passed up guys like Robert Rodriguez, like Lauren Schuler Donner and Fox continued to pursue a director until they got to this guy, Tim Miller, who was talented as hell, hungry as hell, the perfect combo, you know, talented and hungry. Boom. That that means your guy is going to work hard. He has this talent and the skills to impress you. And he's going to work extra hard because this is his big live action directing debut. So I have now been to blur a couple times by the spring of 
2011. And uh, he has developed, built out digital, uh, you know, di digital freeway scenes. I mean, I mean, to the point where it looks like, I mean, he has digitally recreated, animated, animatic the freeway scene and the cars in there. And I'm seeing the animation and the, and the direction of the, of, of the animatics and how they're going to be flying in and out of the car. And well, then he tells me, we're going to film this scene in live action. We're going to composite all this together. And Ryan Reynolds is coming here and we're going to shoot the scene. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're shooting a live action scene with Ryan. This is happening. And, uh, he shows me off site where they've got their, um, where they've rented out the space to do this. And if I tell you that this is a bunch of guys sitting in folded chairs in that Escalade scene, which is then digitally, you know, uh, uh, blended into the footage that you saw, but that's Ryan and a bunch of guys in, full, in, in, in plastic chairs, the kind you sit at your table in school on, plastic chairs, not even folding plastic chairs in some cases, just plastic chairs. And that is where they are going to shoot this and Tim's going to shoot this live action footage of them and then composite the costume under Ryan and composite all the other elements and put them in the Escalade, which is also CGI and create the action footage that I was certain, 100% certain, without a doubt, certain that that was going to get the movie greenlit. So I'm like fast tracking, baby, 2011, Tim Miller, this new approach, these, these, these scenes that he's filming, we are going to lock and load. We are going forward. Ryan is, you know, arriving to film. This, this is going to kick ass. Uh, about two months later, Tim says, Rob, I, I want you to come see this. Blur Studios had a killer uh, screening room in the facilities. At this time, uh, Tim hadn't moved yet. He, he moved to Culver City. Uh, but, but, but at this time he was, um, uh, Santa Monica, really killer, killer, uh, uh, facilities that Tim had. And, and I'm telling you, this guy has 60 guys working on, 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 on site. And I, and I get to meet all the guys that are, that are doing, um, uh, working on the film. And, and it's, uh, it's exciting because, because I'm meeting the guys who are creating the, 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 the costume and, and, uh, you know, a guy named Chuck, Chuck Wokevich, who was a comic book artist that I followed in the eighties who had disappeared. I never saw him again. He introduced himself to me. He's doing, uh, costuming and character design for Tim at Blur Studios. And I'm like, that's awesome. There's some real comic book element. I think everyone was laughing at me because I was so out of my mind exciting, but meeting Chuck Wokevich was really fun and special because again, there's a comic book guy, but Tim had state of the art storytellers, state of the art. Uh, CGI computer guys, um, um, special effects people. Tim himself, hell of a director, obviously great eye, great direction, super talented. Tim would sit and animate some of that stuff himself. He he is very schooled, very talented. And uh, and so he says, come on up and I want to screen the footage for you. And what he screens for me is what was eventually leaked online that ultimately played the the, the role of, uh, of getting Deadpool greenlit. And I'm telling you right now, I sit back, Room goes dark, the footage comes up, and there it is. The screenplay come to life. There it is. There it is. There, there is the absolute uh, footage um, as, as I never possibly imagined it would be, uh, you know, unfolding for me in front of my own eyes. And I am absolutely blown away. There is Deadpool in the flesh and blood, uh, kicking all sorts of ass and, and, and tossing these guys around. And, and it is just 
uh, like, like nothing I could ever possibly imagine. And, and I am 100% just floored at this. There's Ryan's, you know, mocap, uh, and, and, and and there's the mocap, there's, there's the, uh, there's, there's the, the, the incredible action, the, the, I mean, just blew me away on every possible level. And, and I, I just was like, I'm watching it. Here it is. It's in live action and Deadpool is kicking ass and he's throwing, he's throwing this guy, his face smashing it up against the stereo and he's knocking this guy out the door and there's a motorcycle and that riddling it with bullets and it's upside down. I mean, completely 100% blown away. And I thought for sure, this is going to happen. This is going to go forward. We have got ourselves a mega hit based on this footage alone. That is, that is just to tell you, uh, you know, this is, this is the, the end of summer 2011. So, so, you know, Marvel has put out at this point, Captain America and Thor to go alongside Iron Man and Iron Man two and the, uh, and, and, and they haven't gotten to the Avengers yet. This is 2011 that I am watching this. And I am I am like, oh my gosh, Fox has no idea what they have. Fox has no idea what, what is about to, 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 to happen for them if they go forward with this. And then nothing happened. And, and 2011 turned to 2012, turned to 2013, turned to 2014. And, uh, and, and Deadpool was 100% stalled out parked on the side of the road and and all of the great work that had been done on the script by Rhett and Paul and Ryan and the commitment of Ryan and the work of Tim was just stalling out and spinning its wheels and there was there was nothing going forward and uh that is where we are going to pause the making of Deadpool the film the movie this is this is this is this is the bit of the cliffhanger if you don't know how it turns out, tune in. I'll I'll I'll, I'll catch you up um, in our next installment. But all of this goodwill is suddenly put on pause, and three years go by with with nothing advancing until the hail mary that changed everything. And we're going to pick that up and we're going to carry that in our next installment. You guys, I love that you guys come along for the ride with me. I love that we can talk comics and pop culture. Thank you so much for hanging with me. Uh, our next installment, we're going to get into the teeth of this. We're going to go on set. We're going to do the Deadpool film. We're going to do it upright. It's going to be exciting. But 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 uh, in the meantime, please catch me on social media. I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. I am on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. Please give me the shout out. Spread the word. Get the, get the word of the Rob Observation podcast out there. Thank you so much to everybody who's out there sharing this podcast. I appreciate you guys so much. Hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Again, at Robert Liefeld on Twitter, at Rob Liefeld on Instagram. I'm all over the internet. Uh, please uh, continue to, 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 to interact with me. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, you guys know the drill. You need to take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Above all, uh, you know, uh, uh, be well, take care of yourselves, look out for one another, and we will talk again real soon. Thank you.